Strife and rivalry among brothers are as old as Cain and Abel. It's small wonder, then, that Christ takes aim at this in this parable. Cain killed Abel out of envy for the favor God showed to Abel's sacrifice. There's a very clear division in that story between the good and righteous brother and the wicked one. In the story of the prodigal son, however, Christ demonstrates that all of us, without exception, are fallen and in need of God's mercy. Both of the brothers in this story are fallen. It might be a bit difficult to see that about the older brother at first. It's sometimes easy for us to sympathize with his faithfulness to his father and perhaps to think that he got a raw deal and that the father should not have been so doting on the younger son. The older brother, though, sins through pride and through envy. Both of these sons are fallen and in their own way lack an essential virtue in their relationship with their father. A closer look at this parable will demonstrate the older son's need for mercy by shedding light on his vice of envy, and will also reveal a clue as to this virtue that the sons lack. First, consider who the parable is addressed to. Jesus is speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, who are scandalized that he was associating with tax collectors and sinners, that he was covering himself with the smell of the sheep, as Pope Francis would say. These men were oblivious to the warning that St. Paul was later to issue to squabbling Christians that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The scribes and the Pharisees were envious of Christ's popularity. This envy, as St. Matthew later informs us, was to lead them to hand Jesus over to Pilate to be crucified. They were also envious of the mercy received by the public sinners who were drawing near to listen to Jesus. Like the prodigal son, whose hunger prompted him to return to his father, these sinners hungered for the gentle and humble mercy of this man who was teaching them and showing them what it meant to be truly human. Lacking all sympathy, the scribes and Pharisees refused to acknowledge the sinner's penitence and wanted only to condemn them. They refused to treat the sinners as human beings. So through the parable, Jesus tries to show them that this attitude and behavior likewise puts them in need of that same mercy. Envy is a vice that consists basically in bearing ill will towards a neighbor. More specifically, as St. Thomas Aquinas teaches us, it is sorrow at another's good insofar as we perceive it to threaten or harm us in some way, to harm our reputation, our honor, or our esteem. Envy can be about great possessions, but just as easily it can be about minor ones if we think that it puts another ahead of us in some way. The older brother envied his younger brother's fatted calf, complaining, I don't even get a goat. Those who love to be honored are the most likely to be envious. Hence Christ's admonition to the scribes and Pharisees in another place about their love for words of praise in the marketplace and seats of honor in synagogues and at banquets. Envy is a vice that prevents the scribes and Pharisees from sharing in Christ's mercy because envy is the direct opposite of mercy. Mercy, like envy, is a sorrow, but it is sorrow at another's distress, not sorrow at his good, like envy is. Furthermore, mercy is a sorrow that impels us to help the distressed person if we can. 
The father, in the parable of the prodigal son, was so immensely grieved at his son's distress that he rushed to help him as soon as he was able, and taking note of his son's contrition, forgave him all immediately. Mercy looks upon the evil that has befallen another as if it were one's own in some way. The father is so closely united in affection to his son that he suffered as much as his son did. So our mercy should first of all be directed to those closest to us, since we have a greater obligation to them and naturally have a greater union of affection with them. Envy is like a spiritual termite. It bores into the soul and eats it away from within. The father of the church, St. Basil the Great, once gave a homily on envy in which he describes its effects. It gives rise to other vices, such as hatred, detraction, calumny, and causes to be joyful at the evil that befalls another. The scribes and the Pharisees were contemptuous and scornful of others who did not seem as holy as they themselves purported to be. But as St. Gregory the Great says, true godliness is not disdainful but compassionate. Through their disdain for the sinners, the scribes and Pharisees make themselves into hypocrites, seeming to be holy when in fact they despised God's other children. Besides all of this, envy hurts the one who is envious far more than the one he is envious of. Envy easily consumes a person and causes grief and despondency. The older brother is prevented from enjoying all that he has because of his distress at the celebration for his younger brother. There's a big feast going on in the house, and he's the only one that is not able to enjoy it. Now, the older son has many redeeming qualities. He is dutiful, and he's faithful to his father. But it's this sin of envy and the ignoring of his family bond with his brother that gets him into trouble. The older son does not even have regard for his father. He can't rejoice that his father has his son returned to him from the grip of sin. But the father shows mercy to the older son also. He could have become irate at the elder son's hard-heartedness, but he didn't. He pitied him too and simply reminded him of all that he had. Son, you are here with me always, and everything I have is yours. What more could a son in his right mind want than to rejoice in his father's love and to welcome his brother to share it? So here, the father hints at the virtue that the sons are missing. That virtue is gratitude, a virtue that is largely forgotten today, but is an antidote to just about any vice. The two brothers are very similar in that they both lack it. Neither realizes how much they owe their father, that he has given them life itself, that he has raised them and provided everything for them. The younger son practically tells him to drop dead by demanding his inheritance and the older one thinks only of how much he has done for his father and what he deserves as a result of it. A little more consideration of their indebtedness to their father's goodness and provident care for them would have kept them from being so self-centered and self-seeking. Gratitude teaches one how to be happy with what one has because it focuses on the goodness of the giver rather than on the material things or the honors that one piles up. It fosters a deeper and richer relationship between persons. 
Lent is a season for us to enrich our relationship with God by growing in gratitude. Today, on Laetare Sunday, we rejoice that Lent is half over. But during this season of Lent, we consider more intensely the mysteries of salvation, Christ's passion, death, and resurrection, and the magnitude of God's love and mercy for us in sending his own dear Son to suffer for us and to remove the reproach of sin from us. The solemn liturgies of Holy Week that will soon be upon us present in a more vivid way these saving events. We can prepare for these celebrations by becoming reconciled to Christ in the sacrament of confession, by doing works of penance, and by participating at this altar in the Eucharist, which itself means thanksgiving. Christ overcomes the strife and sin of the world by his self-offering to the Father. We give thanks for this by joining ourselves to his perfect sacrifice and by offering ourselves along with it.